We are starting this study, if you will, this kind of this book study in a sense, which is just a, it's just a resource, it's just a tool of, called the 10 second rule. And how many of you, how many of you started reading it? Okay, great. Again, it's just a tool. Today I want to talk about, I want to talk about really it all starts with a choice, right? It all starts with a decision. It all starts by us saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to journey with Christ. I'm going to accept, um, you know, if we haven't, I'm going to accept that free gift of grace and salvation, or I'm going to become more of the disciple, of the, of the follower of Christ that He's calling me to be. And so the 10 second rule is simply becoming the hands and feet of Jesus, right? Listening to His, the promptings of His Spirit, the promptings of His voice, and doing what He's asked us to do. I find it quite, now I don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I find it quite amusing that we're looking at a book to tell us what we already know. But the reason why I wanted us to look at this book is because it's a very practical book and I think it will gently remind us, it will gently hopefully call us, if we struggle with that, call us back in. Maybe we'll be convicted over some of the things that we read. But guys, I want to tell you something. As I've been thinking about where we want to go with this this first message, I've been super and powerfully convicted by Jesus Christ. And I'm gonna, and that's what today we're gonna talk about, and, 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 um, you might be too. I pray that you would have an open mind and an open spirit to listen to the things that God has for us this morning. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Joshua. And if you've read through the book of Joshua, Joshua was that guy who led, uh, God's people into the land of Canaan. God said, this is the land I'm giving you. This is the land that's going to, to, uh, be, full of milk and honey. Basically, this is your blessing, right? This is what I'm blessing you with. And Joshua was that guy with the faith. Joshua and Caleb. Joshua was that guy, that warrior, that said, we're going to follow God. We're going to do everything He says to do. We're going to do everything that He says to do by the T. Okay? And throughout that book, we read at times where they didn't. And we saw what happened. And then we saw how Joshua and the people dealt with that. Because some didn't listen to God and it cost them a lot. It cost them lives and it cost them some things. And so we, we read about that. But at the end of Joshua, at the end of this, at the end of the book of Joshua, he stands before the people and it's at a place called Shechem and he, and God speaks through Joshua and God begins to talk to the people and God's reminding of the people once again, this is what I've done. This is where I've led you. This is what has happened. These are the people that you've conquered. This is what following me has, what, what's taken place. And then in the 14th verse, of the 24th chapter of Joshua, if you want to turn there with me, he turns it and he starts to speak to the people. And I find it very interesting. Please grab a Bible. Please, if you didn't bring one, grab the one out of the back of the pew in front of you. I need you to follow along because this is very, very um, poignant in what Joshua is communicating to the people. So in chapter 24, verse 14, listen to these words. He, so God's speaking, the first part of this chapter, God's speaking, okay? And He shares everything that, that took place, everything that happened. In verse 14, as I already said, Joshua himself begins to speak. And he lays out this challenge. And he says this, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity 
and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served before the river, beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you're going to serve. Many of us have probably heard that passage of scripture. And if it is, if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A lot of times we close and we say, that is awesome, that is a great challenge. G.A. Joshua, that is a stirring message, Joshua. But let's read on. Because this is what Joshua said. Then the people answered and said, far be it from us. They answer the challenge. Joshua says, who are you going to choose? They answer. The people answer and they say this. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. And Joshua says to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. Very interesting comeback, right? He says, you're not able to serve the Lord, for He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve the foreign gods, then He will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord, our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes um, or statutes and rules for them in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. And he took a large stone, set it up there under the, the terebinth that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, behold, This stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Therefore, it shall be a witness against you, lest you deal falsely with God. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. Now, I just want to take a look. I want us to follow up on this and, and, and think about this for a second, okay? So Joshua stands before the people and he lays this out and he says this. You need to fear the Lord. But first, well, you need to fear the Lord, okay? You need to fear the Lord because this is what's going to happen if you don't. So he lays out this this command. He lays out this 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 statement that says, you know, it's this is about God. It's about serving him. Okay, and and, and so what I want us to take a look at today is this. The summation of our choices equals our legacy. All right. The summation of our choices, the summation of your choices, the the combined collection of all of your choices will equal your legacy. You're building it now. We're building our legacies now. What are we building them about? Who are we building them on? Do we fear God? Are we serving God? Is it about God or is it about, you know, is it about something else? But the summation of all those choices that we make in life When we die and we pass from this place on, we're going to leave a legacy and that will be our legacy. And I want to tell you something, folks. I've said it before. Doing funerals and being at many funerals, there's nothing more sad than when you see people collectively come together and they talk about a legacy 
that really is a legacy that deals with the temporal aspect of a person. To me, that's very sad. All the accomplishments that this person made in this world, because they don't go on, right? It ends there. It's done. It's final. But their legacy was spent for some on the immediate, the temporal. Not the eternal, but the temporal. The summation of their choices, this is where it's at. It's either going to, to, to carry them forward, it's going to be a legacy that lives on, touching lives, or it's going to be a legacy that's just wrapped up in the, in the, in the um, uh, self-seeking uh, uh, lifestyle that that person had. So Joshua is taking a look at this, and he's looking back, but he's also calling for a decision. Okay, He's looking back, and he's calling for this decision. And so he, he essentially asks them, or, or pleads to them, and says, there's, you know, there's two pleas here, to serve and to worship, alright? To serve and to worship is the first one. Now, I want you to look at this here real quick. I thought, I'm keep looking back here thinking I'd put the scripture references down, but I did not. But I want you to follow with me. Look at the verses, and I want you to look at how many times Joshua says, serve. Okay? Another word we could use here is worship. But in many translations, it translates that word as serve. Serve the Lord. Okay, verse 14, he starts right off. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Now, when I, when I get to the point, I want you to say serve, alright? Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. And then, uh, verse 15, he goes on to say, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He goes on in verse, um, drop down in verse, uh, let's see, 18 here. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord. Again, in verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. Verse 22, um, then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve Him. Verse 24, and the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. Joshua is saying it's all about serving God. Who are you going to serve? Joshua's saying, this is the only person to serve. But he's coming at it, he's coming at it from two pleas, and he's saying, serve the Lord. And the second one is this, get rid of your, uh, get rid of your gods. You need to serve God, the eternal God, and get rid of all your other idols. Get rid of them all. And, and so he, he goes over this with them, and he shares with them these things, and they respond, and they say, we're going to serve, and they, we're going to choose God. We're going to serve God. And then Joshua makes this, their response was that we're going to serve. And then, jo- and then the, Joshua's response is this. You need to critically think. Because if you look at it, he says, you can't serve the Lord. Now when you first read that, it's like, that is really off. And he goes on to say that God's not going to forgive them of their sins or their trespasses. Uh, the, the, if that happens, it, you know, if they transgress, they're not going to be forgiven. And when you first glance at that and read it, it's like, Okay, now what are we talking about here? But what Joshua was saying is this. Guys, this isn't some flippant decision you're going to make. This isn't some half-hearted decision that says, oh yeah, we'll serve the Lord. Oh yeah, we'll fear God. 
Joshua was saying, this is so much deeper than this, and you need to talk, you need to step back probably and pause and give it a moment and critically think about what you're saying. You're saying that you're choosing God. You're sa- Which, by the way, guys, when I started studying this, I don't know about you, and this is just me, I'm just giving you a snapshot into my weird mind of thinking. I really struggled with that word choice. For me, it's more of kind of a response. And what I mean by that is this. As a human being, who am I at times to stand in the presence of God and say, yeah, I think I'll choose you. Yeah. You know, I think in this time right now, I I, I will serve you. And sometimes that's how it feels as a human. Because there's times where as a human, we begin to, we begin to vacillate on that commitment as we, as we've chosen God, as we've responded to God. But as I thought about it, it's like, we're talking about standing in the presence of the God Almighty. We're talking about a human, a finite human, a person that has been created out of the dust, standing in front of the Creator and making this huge decision and just saying, yeah, I'll serve you. Now, again, I'm not saying that, I'm saying that sometimes I believe that's how we answer that, just like Joshua was saying to the people. Yeah, I hear you, but you need to really critically think about this, because this isn't something where you're just gonna make some half-hearted decision, because then you're gonna do that, and then you're gonna turn and start doing what you did in the past, where you're gonna follow your gods, where you're gonna get wrapped up in your own life, where, where all these other things are gonna take you away from God, and he says this, if that happens, this is what God's going to do. And he literally lays it out there for them. You need to think about it. You need to critically think about it. And as I started thinking about this as the message for today, it's like that's exactly where we are in this whole 10 second rule, right? Every single one of us sitting in here has to come to that point in our lives where we are critically thinking about this decision, this response, however you want to word it, that we're going to make to say, I'm going to follow God or I'm not going to follow God. Many of us, and and let's just be honest here, I think for many of us it would sound absolutely insane to say, yeah, I'm not going to follow God, right? I doubt there's anybody in this room that says, because I don't think you would be here for starters if if you're saying I'm not going to follow God. And so so it just becomes like that, well, yeah, I'm going to follow God. But then when you really stop and think about it, does our lives implicate that? Does our lives demonstrate that? Does our actions line up with that? This says, I'm going to follow God. And Joshua bases this, this on God's holiness. Joshua saying, God is holy. And that's where I was coming from with this whole human, this whole human mindset, this, this, this human being, you know, being finite, looking into, to the eyes of the, you know, the presence of the infinite saying, yeah, I'll follow you. And it's like, man, that is such a huge response. And God's, uh, Joshua is saying it's based, number one, on God's holiness. God is holy. God can't come into the presence of sin. Sin can't even be in the presence of God. God is God. God is so... Holiness means there's nothing else like it. Holiness means to be set apart. There is something... When you say God is holy, it means that there is nothing like God. It means that God is so different. God is so unique. It goes beyond unique. And then when you read more in the Old Testament where it talks about the holy of holies, it's saying this, there is nothing in comparison to, to this, 
to who God is, to the things of God. And that's who God is. And that's when, you know, we come into his presence, you know, as a human where we struggle at times, you know, and I'm thinking this is Joshua is sending out a message here saying, you really need to think about this because this isn't just some quick snap answer that says, yeah, I'm going to I'll follow God. But it's based upon God's holiness and it's also based on God's jealousy. Because God is so holy, God's jealous. God doesn't deal well with foreign gods. God doesn't deal well with things that takes us off the mark. God doesn't deal well with things that captivates our attention where we turn and more or less worship those things versus Him. And Joshua is, is, is saying that to these people. He's saying, this, there's, not, there's no other decision you're going to make like this. It's going to cost you everything. I love the songs we just sang, by the way. And if you listen to the words of the song that we sang at the cross, I love the chorus of this song. And I think when I, as I was sitting there singing it, it just kind of, I just kind of dwelled on it thinking how the lyrics and the message of this gets lost. At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I am in awe of you. I'm in awe of you. Where your love ran red and sin washed white, I owe all to or I owe all to you. I owe all to you, Jesus. And and and, and the, the rest of the lyrics continues from there. But I wonder how many of us. It, it's so easy for us to just kind of sing those words and not really mean it. This decision, this response, and this is what Joshua is saying, is a complete surrender to the holy jealous God in a sense okay and this message this message isn't something that that is like you know out of the blue or anything like that when we go to G when we go to Luke and if you I want you to turn with me to Luke um, chapter I want to look at chapter 9 and I want to spend just a few moments there in Luke chapter 9 and kind of hopefully bring all this to take the thread and really Bring this all tightly together. I'm just going to look at the first one here this morning. Chapter 9, verse 23. Jesus says this. Guys, this is Jesus talking. This is incarnate God. This is the Gospel. This is Jesus talking. God in flesh. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits it himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him, or my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Let's go back to that first part. Jesus says this, if anyone comes after me, if anyone comes after me, who, um, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. You and I live in an age. Remember when Paul talks to Timothy and he says there's going to be a day 
coming when people want to hear a message that tickles their ears. We're living in that day. We are living in the day to where when we speak about discipleship, we have this uncanny ability to say, well, there's a difference between a disciple and being a Christian. There's a difference about being saved and actually following after Jesus. The problem with that is it's completely wrong. Jesus says, and this isn't some, you know, different, but Jesus says this, you, if you want to save your life, you have to do three things, essentially three things. You, you deny yourself, you carry your cross daily, and you follow after me. Now, I want to, I just want to take a look at this very quick as we, as, uh, here in the next few minutes of our time. I just want to share with you something because this literally jarred me the more I thought about it and the more I studied this passage. Because in this, he spells it out that coming after, what coming after him means. Following Jesus, being a Christian, being a Christ follower literally means to deny the self, to take up the cross, and to follow him. Those are the elements of being a Christian. Some would say that you can't be a Christian if you're not doing those elements. Some would say that there's no, if you're not denying yourself, first of all, if you're not denying yourself, what you're doing is you're staying in the same nature, the same human fallenness as Satan. And if we read about that, because the difference is if we're not self-denying, then what are we doing? What's the opposite of denying self? Seeking self, right? Where everything's about ourselves. Who does that sound like? Satan? Listen to this. God says this through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to these words. Listen very intently to these words of what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah. You, and he's talking about Satan in chapter 14, verses 13 through 15 of Isaiah. He says this. You said in your heart, and he's talking about Satan. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the grave, to the depths of the pit. I wonder why then when we read in the Gospels that they go after this concept you know, Jesus goes after this concept and the writers, the disciples would later write about this concept, this, this I concept, right? This self-seeking concept. Because it is the spirit of which follows through with us if, in our human condition. If we don't, that's why we need a savior. But this spirit passes on through us through Adam. And it's why the Bible calls, or why the Bible describes us as self-seeking sheep. Again, in Isaiah, it says this. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Peter writes, describes a person that's, that, that has not been saved, that has not been changed by God, as those who follow the corrupt desire of the sinful nature and despise authority. It is why the prodigal son, when Jesus talks about the prodigal son, it's the same thing when he declared, Father, give me what? My share. It is what Paul described in the last days saying people will be lovers of themselves. If we're not... Please, I hope you're leaning into this. Because this is very critical. If we are not denying self, we are seeking self. Does that make sense? There's no middle ground here. 
There's no I can be a Christian and still do all the things that you know that I really want to do and pursue my life. It is about it is about first of all denying self and, and taking on the attitude of Christ, as Paul would talk in Philippians chapter two. Taking on the attitude of Christ when he says, "Who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing." Remember that whole passage. And then it talks about where God exalted him to the right hand of the Father. So the first piece of this is, is denying the self. The second piece is, is that we're not just deny, we're not just saying no to ourself, but then we're saying yes to God. Now enters in the two, the ten second rule. We're denying ourself and now we're picking up our cross daily. Many of us would say, well, our cross daily are these trials and tribulations that I face in the world. Perhaps that's not the way to look at it. Perhaps there's a different way of looking at it. Perhaps everybody experiences those things because we all live in a broken world, right? We all live in a world that's, that's, that's not right and it's not the way it's supposed to be. It's broken. It's cracked. Maybe the, maybe what this means is that we're saying yes to God, which means when we, we become the hands and feet of God. And so the cross bearing involves prayer and Bible study, right? Cross bearing involves Matthew 25 through 31 through 46. Chapter 25, 31 through 46, feeding the hungry, giving to the poor, giving drink to the thirsty, receiving the stranger, clothing the naked, caring for the sick. It's the 10 second rule that we're learning that says when God passes something across, when the Holy Spirit speaks, you respond. That's what it means to bear your cross. That's what it means to deny yourself, to pick up your cross daily because you're living out who you are as a Christ follower. You're saying, I'm no longer this person because I'm denying myself. It's not about me anymore. Because the opposite of that is self-seeking, taking on the spirit of Satan. And that's not who we are as Christ followers. So we deny ourselves. We pick up our cross. We bear our crosses. And I want to read to you one last pass or a quote here from a person by the name of Walter J. Chantry. And I, and I want you just to kind of lean into this because I think it's so powerful what he says about this whole concept. He says this, It is the most obvious aspect of our Lord's teaching which, is, which has been forgotten or ignored by modern evangelism. Anxious to bring sinners to life, peace and joy in the Lord, evangelism has failed even to mention that Christ insists upon denial of self at the very onset, or outset. Having failed to pass on our Lord's requirement and forgetting it themselves, evangelists have never questioned whether their quote-unquote converts with self-centered lives are truly followers of Jesus Christ. Assuming that it is possible for a man to be self-indulgent and yet heaven-bound, Bible teaches look for some way to bring egocentric man to a higher spiritual plane. Then self-denial is taught as the requirement for a second work of grace. Real quick, those who save texts demanding a cross for the deeper life. That's what I talked about, where a lot of times we'll say, well, I'll receive salvation, but I'm not yet a disciple, because that's those people, and Claire even talked about it last week. Those are the people that really take this serious. Those are the people that really commit their lives to it. And we set, we compartmentalize. He says this, those of us demanding a cross for the deeper life have cheated their hearers in, in evangelism. Without a cross... There is no following Christ. And without following Christ, there is no life at all. An impression has been given that many enter life through a wide gate of believing on Jesus. Then a few go through the narrow gate of the cross for deeper spiritual service. On the contrary, 
The broad way without self-denial leads to destruction. All who are saved have entered the fraternity of the cross. Does that make sense? I read that, I was blown away. And that was written years and years ago. I was blown away. Because this is exactly what Joshua was telling the people. You really need to critically think about this because this isn't just some loose, loose decision that you're going to make and you're going to follow God. That's what Jesus is telling us as well in in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through there. Jesus is saying this. You need to consider everything. These passages of Scripture, if you jot those down, look at them, 9, 57 through 62, 14, 25 through 33, Jesus continues to say the same thing. What it means to follow Him. He talks about hating your family. And it doesn't mean to literally hate your family. It means the deepest love that you have would pale in comparison to the love that you have for Him. He would talk about some people saying, well, I need to go bury my dead. I need to go do this task and this task. And he said, you know what? You're not ready. Because anybody that starts to plow off fields is not going to start, keep looking back. He's going to continue to move forward. Jesus is saying, there is a cost to following me. There is a cost to following me. It's denying the self. It's picking up your cross. And it's following me. Guys, I pray that every one of us in here can hear this message of what God's communicating to us. This means, like we said in in, in that song, total surrender. It's total surrender to Jesus. It's not, as, as this passage said, where he said some people have possibly erected this thought that says that gate is wide. Salvation, the gate to salvation is wide. And then the small gate, that narrow gate, truly really discipleship. That's not what Jesus teaches. Jesus says broad is the gate of what? Destruction. And only a few are going to find the one that leads to life. In fact, when we read on that passage of 9, chapter 20, or 9, verses 23, which we, which we read here, Jesus says this, you gain the whole world. You live your life for yourself. You gain the whole world and then you lose everything. What kind of a life is that? You, you got it. You, you, you lived your life for yourself. You didn't, you didn't uh, deny yourself. You didn't pick up your cross daily and become my hands and feet. You didn't follow after me and you got what you got. I mean, you got what you were going after. But you've lost it all. You've lost it all. Because that's not what it means to follow after Jesus. That's what Jesus is teaching. And it's the same message that Joshua was standing before the people saying the same thing. You need to critically think about this. Because God is a holy and just God. Now, the beauty of this is this, guys. God is a God of grace, mercy, love. That... When we, when we make that decision and that choice and that response to surrender our lives to Him, and at times we become human and we start seeking after our own things again, and that's what we call sin, First John tells us that God is just, that God will forgive us of our sins. If we confess them before God, God will forgive us. There's an, and I'm not preaching a message in here of perfection, because I know as humans we're going to struggle at times. But I want to tell you something, guys. I want us to, I hope and pray that you're, that you can hear the strong message of this coming through that if we are not, if we are not denying ourselves, picking up our cross on a daily basis and following after Jesus, we're not in a good spot at all. 
In fact, we could be confused. We could be completely distracted. We could be be deceived. Because Jesus says later in Matthew, I think it's 14 or 7, or I think it's 14 where people come to him and said, you know, he says, I don't know who you are. And Jesus, it's what Jesus tells, I don't know who you are. And they're like, whoa, what do you mean you don't know who we are? We cast out demons in your name. We did all these things. We did all these things, Jesus. And as I shared with you before, we went to Element, right? We had a three in our name. It was really cool. We did all these things. Jesus, man, how many times did I go to church? How many times did I put money in the offering plate? How many times did I go to, 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 to small groups, to, to classes and all these other things? How many times did I serve? How many times have I done all these, all these other things? And Jesus is like, I don't, I don't know who you are. Because you didn't pick up your cross, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't deny yourself, pick up your cross, cross or uh, pick up your cross and follow me daily. That is a very disturbing message. Jesus said, the people that I know are the people that are about the will of my Father. Feeding the poor, feeding the hungry, right? Clothing, those things. This is not some haphazard decision. So guys, let me close with this. And I need you to give me some grace because I really want to share my passion inside of me. I'm one of you. I'm human too. And I just want to say this. The excuses that we give for not picking up our crosses daily and not allowing God to sanctify us more and change us inside are just that. They're excuses. To say that I don't have time to spend in God in prayer, to say I don't have time to, do, to, to, to be a part of what God is asking me to be a part of, to say that, that yeah, well, I'm really super busy right now because i got all these things going on in my life. Guys, I'm telling you, That's what it means to self-seek. And I pray that Satan does not deceive us anymore. Because those are excuses. And if we're not about the will of the Father, then what are we doing? Where are we at? Where are you at? God is such a loving God. God is such a God that says, Confess. Repent. Come back to me. Some of you in here this morning understand exactly what we're talking about. You understand the decision that you've made. You understand what it means to deny the self, to pick up the cross, and you're following Jesus. Some of us in here this morning right now, let's just be honest, we're, we're, we've got this, in our, in our minds, We've got it compartmentalized, right? We've got our Christian life over here and we've got everything else kind of over here. And if this thing over here doesn't doesn't conflict with the things that I want to do over here, then everything's cool. But just like as Claire said, it's an inconvenience to follow Jesus. Because it's all or nothing. And the 10 second rule is, first and foremost, is to make that that ultimate choice, that response that says, you know what? I am going to deny self. I'm going to pick up my cross today and I'm following after Jesus. I'm following after Jesus. He is the one that's going to bring the life that I'm looking for and I'm searching for and I'm seeking. We live in a day where our culture is it is becoming very blatant of, of, of the antithesis of the truth. Absolutely an antithesis of the truth of what the Word of God teaches. And for some of us, we're becoming saturated and we're becoming enculturated 
into that culture. Which means we're becoming like the culture that is not of Jesus. And that is very scary. I pray that today would be the day, just like Joshua called out, just like Jesus said, that today, the listeners of, of, of what God is, is, is communicating to us today, I pray that we would be people that would listen and say, you know what? I, I'm not going to seek after the things for myself. I'm going to deny myself and pick up my cross and follow Jesus daily. It's got to start there or none of the rest makes sense. Just doing good things doesn't make sense. It's being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ is what we're called to do and we're called to be. I pray that you would just consider and really, really consider the decision that you've made or that you may need to make today. And I pray that you would respond and that you would follow and you would, you would respond to uh, the, the, the message of Jesus, the prompting of His Holy Spirit. As the worship team comes back, I want to lead us into a word of prayer as we close. If you'd just bow your heads and your hearts. Father, I thank You so much that You're a God of love, that You're a God of mercy and grace. Because we need it. I need it. Father, at times where it's, I make this all about me. At times, it's, it is definitely all about me. It's about my hurts, my hang-ups. It's all about me. And Father, I know that's not the life that You've called me to. Or You've called us to as a church. I pray that You would forgive us where we've gotten off path, where we have become distracted, where we have, we have fallen in the trap of, of seeking after the things of ourselves, where our world has squeezed out your, you, where our world has, has precedence over you, and if we can fit you in, if we can fit the things of you inside of that, then that's okay. And Father, I pray that you would forgive us for that. I pray that as that song, as we sang that song, it would become the reality and the truth of our lives that we surrender all to You. Father, we come to the cross that represents death. The cross that represents the, the, the implicit self-denial and we give everything to You. And Father, I pray that You would give us the courage to respond. I pray, Father, that as the as the Holy Spirit moves in here this morning, that He would find freedom. That frustration, confusion, discouragement, doubt, hatred, anger, all of those things would not distort the message that You have for us. Nor would it block Your Spirit from connecting with our spirit. But Father, that You would find fertile ground and Father, that we would surrender everything to You. Confess everything and just surrender everything to You. Give us the courage. Give us the, the, the strength, the stamina. Give us the love to be able to deny ourselves, carry our crosses daily, and follow You. And it's in the precious name of Jesus Christ that we pray these things. Our Lord and our Savior. Amen.